Well, you guys, I'm, I'm so excited to be here today. I'm going to start my little stopwatch, too. Okay. Um, excited to be here today. Actually, this is the first time I've ever been to the gathering before. Um, I've joined on live stream. I've seen on YouTube, but I've never been to the gathering in person, so I'm so pumped. Thanks for having me. Um, my name is Emily, and I, I'm a third-year RTI student this year. I'm just going to pull this baby out. Third-year RTI student. Um, I'm a junior, and my hope, God willing, is that I graduate with a degree in Christian ministry studies and to become a pastor for families and children in the Salem community. I have a big heart for training people and discipling them as they navigate what does being a Jesus follower look like in general, let alone the 21st century and a post-Christian, secularized culture. Um, so I'm just hoping that Jesus, I'm trusting and just following his step, and we'll see where that leads. Um, some other things for those of you guys that maybe don't know me so well. I am a middle child. I have three other siblings, and I share that space in the middle with my big sister, Bethany. Uh, my parents, they were a little bit crazy, in my opinion. They had one set of kids in the late 80s, and then they waited 11 years and had me in 1996, uh, followed by my little sister, Annie. So there's an 11-year age gap between me and my older sister. And I actually, I used to hate it because we were in such different seasons of our lives. She was always like my mom, and I was the little kid. Um, but now, I'm in my mid-20s, and she is having her fifth baby. She's nine months pregnant. She's on baby number five. And at lunch yesterday, I was just looking at her like in amazement, just in complete awe of pregnancy, childbirth, just thinking like, okay, one, I want a healthy baby, but two, thank you for doing all of the work so that I don't have to. You know, like I just get to sit here and be the cool aunt and I get to take her kids out to movies and ice cream. Um, and I get to skip all of the financial responsibility and bedtime and like, this is the life. This is the dream. So, yeah, middle child. And for any of you guys who are Enneagram nerds, I am an Enneagram 3. Um, I didn't really know what that meant until I joined RTI and then they made us take a test. And you just feel completely exposed. You're like, oh, all of my worst things are right out on the table. And they still love me anyways, so... That's a little bit about me. Um, I didn't actually grow up here at RT or at Salem Alliance. Not RTI. Um, I didn't grow up here at Salem Alliance. This is not my home church. I was actually born and raised on the east side of Salem, and I went to a small little community there in the Foursquare denomination. And there's something about being raised in the same church for like the majority of your life where you also feel exposed. It's like, okay, they know who my first crush was, and that I failed math three times in high school. Like. I'm Angie and David's daughter. I just, I was feeling this need for autonomy, you know? I don't know how many of you have been there before, but I got to this point of just needing to change and felt God was calling me to Sam Alliance. And I realized, okay, I'm here for school and I'm here for coffee. And so I might as well be a barista too. So now I work at Broadway Coffee House as a barista over there. And I really like it. So thank you for your compassion, my latte art. Uh, we're working on it. We're working on it. I'm brand new to this. You know, I didn't know how um, snobby the coffee industry was. Don't tell them I said this. But while we're on the topic, man, it's pretentious sometimes. So thanks for your grace. 
Um, I was just talking to somebody earlier, and they were asking me about RTI, and I could stand here all day and tell you all about the good things at RTI, and I will, but I would be remiss to just skip over the hard parts, too, and where I was actually at two years ago um, when I got accepted, more like three years ago, when I got accepted into RTI, I was at my home church looking for autonomy, looking for my identity, and um, came to RTI with the belief that if I changed my circumstances enough, that I could still hide my pain and disguise what was really going on. And I know at the gathering, we've been talking about the theme of courage all year. And so as I was praying and asking Jesus to show me, okay, what do you want me to talk about tonight? Um, The theme that he kept showing me in my life was the courage to be vulnerable in community. And sometimes, like, even saying it right now is just like, who am I to be talking about that? Um, Sometimes I think we talk about community a lot and vulnerability, and that can kind of be cliche. But this is just where I'm at right now, and I'm speaking from, like, real-life experience. Uh, The past couple weeks, the past few months, multiple things have happened in my life that have just propelled me into this place of following Jesus into obedience and choosing to be vulnerable and choosing to relinquish control um, and let people in, even when it's hard and it's ugly and you just don't know what's going to happen. So back to the beginning, when I, when I entered RTI, I was having a really rough time, um, but I thought I was hiding it really well. I would come to school and I would, we actually have this big trip at the beginning of RTI where we travel overseas and I went to Jordan with my class and it was in Jordan where everything just came to a head. I mean, the spiritual realm is real and I experienced it very tangibly in Jordan. I was sick. Um, My anxiety was through the roof. I could not communicate. And I was feeling between a rock and a hard spot because all of my typical coping mechanisms were just gone. I was in a completely different country where nobody except my group spoke my language. Um, The mosque bells were ringing, and it was just, I had been overseas before, but never had felt this way in my life. Um, And with this group of 17 people that I hardly even knew, so in bed one day, I just, I remember one of my friends coming in and she, she looked at me and we were actually in the ruins of, I don't even, I can't even tell you where we were because I was so out of it. But she took my hand and she looked me in the eye and she said, okay, Emily, like it's time. It's time to let me in. Like, what do you want to get off your chest? What do you want to talk about? And I remember that moment of just feeling like this is it, you know, like this is going to, this is going to change me. And I, I, I really am glad I followed that moment. I, I opened up and I shared. But when I came back, that didn't go away, right? All those, that anxiety, that fear. I needed healing. I was broken. And that's what I realized, that I was a broken human being that God wanted to do a work in. And just because my circumstances changed didn't mean my whole life was. Um, so anyway, I stepped in, I asked for help, and I was on a journey. I was on a journey to open up and find community and understand what it means to trust. Our big idea for tonight, our main focus, is that true healing prevails in the vulnerability of community. And I just want to take a second and acknowledge that for a lot of people in this room, potentially, like I'm 100% sure there are people in this room tonight who this is easier said than done. 
I mean, I can speak from personal experience because I know that there are foundational relationships in my life that have lost my trust. And being vulnerable with people and opening up in a community that's safe is hard. It's easier said than done. And I look around the room tonight and I'm thinking like, I'm preaching to the choir because you guys are here. You're at the gathering. You're with your friends. You're probably in house churches. But I think that God is doing a work here. And and he showed me our first point tonight is that vulnerability in community takes practice. You know, as I was thinking about my own journey and I was thinking about um, how to put this in a word picture, I was reminded of how in high school I was into music a lot. And I played in the symphonic band at McKay High School. I played clarinet. Uh, yes, it was pretty nerdy. But here we are. Here we are, people. Um, and I just remember thinking, like, okay, I, when competition season would come around, I wanted to be good at that. But many times, I would look at the sheet music in front of me and just be completely overwhelmed. Like, there were flats and key changes, and the tempo would change. And, you know, so I would sit down with my teacher multiple times a week, one-on-one. And he would slow down the metronome, and we would go over and over and over and over again until I would get it, until I'd be ready to play in front of an audience. And that was a big achievement. But not only was I practicing, I was also watching. I mean, she would play the part, too, and I would watch and observe and and hear what she had to say. And to this day, I could probably play the chromatic scale on the clarinet if I had to in my sleep. I still got it down in there. Practice so much, it's in my bones. And all that to say that, yeah, being vulnerable and sharing stuff with people that you trust is difficult. But I have experienced how practicing time and time again with a community that's safe and that has offered reciprocity, built to trust with you, how it does get easier over time and the payoff is worth it. That same friend that held my hand in Jordan, she often tells me when we meet, she looks me in the eye and she says, Emily, there's nothing that you could tell me that would make me run. And that is huge, because my biggest fear is rejection. I feel like I am too much, and that this thing that's right here at the top of my chest that's just below surface level, like if you just said the wrong thing or pissed me off a little bit too much, right? Like it would come out. And some of my friends have seen that, and they're sitting here today, and I just wanna say thank you guys for being here for me, being there for me the whole time. Yeah, so it does, it gets easier. And I just wanna make it clear that I believe that we serve a God who's more interested in our transformation than he is in our to-do list. So the last thing I want you to walk away with tonight is feeling like, oh man, how do I, how do, I do this? How do I get this on my checklist? Like, I know we're busy and I don't wanna to add to that list. In fact, I believe that Jesus has given this word as a word of freedom and hope that he sees you, and that we've been talking about at Big Church, we've been talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God coming. And I believe that God wants to have an inbreaking of the kingdom in your own life, and that vulnerability will, it's like a domino effect, right? When I start sharing, somebody else might get courage, they might share, and that's how the gospel message spreads. That's how hope 
continues. God is relentless in his pursuit of the broken, the hurt, the outcast. And as I was thinking about all of the stories in scripture where he has redeemed someone, I mean, I could just pull in a story out of the book, right? Any story. But the one that came to me as I was thinking about this message was the story of Mary Magdalene. And I was thinking about her because um, if we put up this, this scripture, it's found in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through It says, after this, this is in Jesus' ministry, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The 12 were with him, and some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases, Mary, from whom seven demons had come, Joanna, the wife of Chusa, the manager of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others, these women were helping to support them out of their own mess, or out of their own means. And I like this story, as I started to research Mary, I found out that seven demons is is symbolic in this scripture. That historians don't really know if she had exactly seven demons, but we know from stories past that seven means the whole thing. And so Mary, if if there was one person that knew pain, if there was one person that knew oppression, There was one person that knew what it was like to be a woman, an outcast in this time. It was her. And so she was experiencing all of it. And I love how Mary is invited. God heals her. Jesus heals her of this oppression and then invites her to be a part of his kingdom team. And in chapter 9, it goes on to tell us that Jesus sends his disciples out. He empowers them and he sends them by the power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure out diseases. He sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out, and they went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. And I I love this passage because I believe it. I believe it from the depths of my heart, from the hardship that I've been through, that the inbreaking of the kingdom of God is here. It is now. And he wants heaven and earth to collide. That is um, why we're here also to share and to invite people to accept that invitation. So right now, I'm going to pause. I'm going to have us go to table talk. Um, There's a couple tables, a couple questions in front of you. And I just want to reiterate that at this time during table talk, feel free to pass. If you don't want to, I know we're talking about vulnerability, but that's totally up to you and your choice. Um, We'll give it about 10 minutes. Uh, um, at the table that I was sitting at, we talked a lot about the safety of community and how important that is. And I really think that this is such an important part. I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope we hear this as we go, um, that sharing in an unsafe community is risky and is hard. Um, And it's hard to share in a safe community, but I think differentiating those two things and testing the water and practicing, like that's what we talked a lot about and I'm really thankful for that input. So 
Um, we talked about Brene Brown and the vulnerability hangover and how sometimes when you share and you share a lot, um, that sometimes that pendulum swings back and maybe as you're driving away or as you're thinking about it later, you feel guilty or ashamed um, that people will judge you and that's normal. Um, so I would just say in response to that, just being extra gracious with yourself and knowing like the vocabulary of the vulnerability hangover is so tangible. Um, so thanks for sharing that, Rachel. That's good. Um, the last two points that I have for tonight before we wrap up is that I believe that vulnerability in community, while it is hard and we need to find a safe place to do it, it it's necessary I do believe that vulnerability in community is of utmost importance to Jesus and that as apprentices after him that we should practice and live the way that he did too. So as trust and relationships are established, I bless each of you tonight with the obedience to engage and to practice um, in the hills and the valleys and the good and the bad with the people that are around this table with you. I'm so thankful for the gathering and... Um, and I believe that vulnerability also results in kingdom advancement. Like we saw in Luke 8 and the transformation of Mary and the demons, um, the outbreaking of the kingdom was a result of her following Jesus, of her allowing him to heal her, and then her going out and sharing with other people. As I was praying today about that passage and just thinking like, what would it have been like to be Mary? you know, um, and I've experienced a little bit of healing in my life, and I, it's all I can do most days to just, like, want to share with people, you know, um, because it's such good news, and my friends can tell you that it's not all beautiful. A lot of it is yuck, um, but it's real, and I think we have such a gift to share with other people, um, Sadie shared that, you know, it is that domino effect. We have that reciprocity with other people. Um, so tonight as we go, I just want to encourage you guys. I know that many of us attend Same Alliance here, but um, pressing into the gathering, we meet next month, and then we'll be back next year. Um, life groups and house churches are an amazing way to get plugged in. Um, I also really like at RTI, we have used the APEST, it's like spiritual gifts um, test, just to see where you're at, uh, what gifts God has given you, and then being able to use that to exhort the body of Christ. Um, and I also love mentorship. You know, that, that friend I was talking about earlier um, is my mentor. And her name is Jocelyn Glaze. And Jocelyn is such a light to me. Um, and she's been feeding into me for a few years. And now she's challenged me to pass that along to someone else below me. And so I, I think that relationship is really important. And then soul care groups. I met a couple of you guys in here through soul care. And soul care has uh, just been... For some of us, I know for me, some of my trauma or the things that I have gone through feels like it's, there's no railroad. Like it's just, you know, all over the place. That was a good sound effect, huh? That was crisp. Um, that was crisp, yeah. <laughs> all that to say, 
man, it's, it's a lot. It's mess. And soul care has given me the structure to navigate through some of these things with another person, um, guilt-free because it's a curriculum, it's a book, and it's walking me through the things that I probably wouldn't even have thought of. Um, so it's just a great tool. Soul Care, it's a great book. Um, yeah, so um, I just want to wrap up and say, you know, thank you again for having me up here. Um, we've got a couple more questions on the table, but um, before we do that, I just want to pray, if that's all right, and just bless you with um, an encouragement. So, Father, I just thank you so much for the time that you've provided tonight. Um, God, I thank you that you are a father that welcomes all of the stuff and that you have provided a community here at Sam Alliance um, of safety, of resources. God, I just ask that as each one of these women walks out the door tonight, God, that you would stir in them um, a next step, whether that just be having grace for themselves and taking extra care to sleep and to rest and to listen or to come to a class and share. God, I just ask for a strengthening of muscles in the vulnerability aspect and discernment, Father. I ask for discernment of your spirit and healing. Um, God, thank you that you're a father who's engaged and wants to heal us and wants to see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. I pray that in your name, amen. Amen. Well, we have about 10 minutes left, so I am just going to open up the floor to the last couple questions at your table group, and then um, at 8 o'clock, I'll come up and we'll be dismissed. Now, I just want to bless you guys with a benediction before we go. Just peace into your week. And this is from Romans 15:5. It says, May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may live one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So as you go tonight, know you are loved, know that you are safe in this space, and that we are so glad that you came. Um, if you have any questions, Morgan is your gal, and I will be here too. Okay, all right, you're loved.